All right, Zig coming in at the top of the interview. Today I have with me Kane and Kyle of Clashing Black. They're twins in a two-piece, multi-genre pop band. Um, a lot of the music they make is done acoustic and then revamped to be more of an electronic feel. It's really cool, and I can't recommend their latest record, Who We Were, Who We Are, enough. They have a new record coming out untitled at the moment and this podcast was recorded before the release of it but they have put out a few new singles two of which have been um nights like these and stir crazy and those two if they are any indication of what's about to come win for some good stuff um kane and kyle are the real deal they do the work they're doing the teaching, they're doing the, the bar gigs, they're doing the original gigs to another level, to the point where they even practice setting up and tearing down. I haven't talked to anybody, and you can look through, I've talked to quite a few people at this point, but I haven't met anyone who's practiced setting up and tearing down. That's like a next level of being ready to handle the gig. So talking with these guys is great, and we're going to hear that conversation in just one moment, but before that, here's a tune um, this is Stir Crazy. This was a single before the album. I think it's been about 30 days since I saw you. A month ago I wasn't counting as much, but now it's all I do. What's the action that
podcast is mixed by Studio 44, Studio 44 CLE. If you have any audio needs, make sure you go to Studio 44 CLE. They can stream, they can do video work. He can, or they, as in he, he as in Jay, Jay Sparrow, um, from Studio 44 CLE can record your band. He can be your band if needed. Um, so any audio needs, any recording endeavors you have that you want to make sound dope, make sure you go to Studio 44 CLE. And as always, if you can like, subscribe, rate, review the podcast on any of the podcast platforms, we're now on um, Instagram and, and the Twitter, trying to get those things going, um, as well as Spotify and Apple and all the other podcasting platforms. Without further ado, Clashing Black. Does help having someone to look at while you're talking to them. <laughs> cool, cool. All right, well, we'll jump right into it if you guys are good. Sure. Yeah. Sweet, sure. sweet. Um, okay, so Clashing Black, you guys, it's been through a few iterations before it became what it is now, right? And Kane, you were more of a metal guy to start off, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. so. More- Hold on, let me uh, turn this up a little. How did how did one of a metal origin come to this beautiful pop music that I'm hearing now? <laughs> like, <laughs> so uh, we when we were I think in sixth grade we started playing stuff together. We would just play kind of any song we could pull off. Yeah, but then um, we kind of sep- separated like our, our musical tastes and stuff. So I was listening to a lot of like like classic metal metallica iron maiden megadeth i was also listening to like guns and roses and then kyle was listening to like justin timberlake and coldplay and all this but we were always in a band together um and we kind of just played a bunch of covers of those songs but then and i used to do that thing where if any song was soft or something i'd be like oh this song's weak or whatever (laughs) just like this macho man thing and then um in 2011 or 12 we went and saw coldplay live yeah and i liked like one song but i would never admit it like i was like and then i went to this concert and was like just blown away by their live show and sometimes i think it takes a minute to get like a certain song but then you see it live and you're like oh i get what they're going for and then yeah. i kind of just became a fan of them overnight and then i just slowly it just opened me up to all types of music um and so then we just started making whatever we wanted rather than trying to like fit it in a certain a certain category yeah. that's yeah. It, it's super interesting how like a performance or seeing something come alive and then be presented to you is received differently you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's almost like sometimes the audio format just kind of like, because there's so much and it fits, it's so genre tied into like, it's almost like how people identify who they are in a weird way. Like, I'm a punk guy. I can't right. listen to, but there's nothing more punk than a punk that likes, you know, Britney Spears. That's the sure. most punk punk there is. But it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, or, or, or the, the type of genre, like, when genres start to name themselves within the genre, like this is a funk song, we get in funky, or like the blues okay. song that sings about being blues guy, or the the country song that sings about being country, it almost takes the whole thing that was good about this subsect of music and like monopolizes it in such a way. 
and it's it's interesting when that becomes clear and it doesn't matter i don't know so that's really cool because like i was i was trying to do a deep dive on you guys and like i was like whoa this guy's rocking a megadeth shirt with like this sick like spiky <laughs> war warlord guitar <laughs> yes yeah yeah it's strange like how that happens because you never you never think that your taste is going to change that i never thought yeah. my taste was going to change when i was like in 10th grade i'm like this is who i am forever for some reason and then it just something happens sometimes and it changes and um yeah we just slowly like now the music we make it's kind of like a spotify playlist in the sense like it's just whatever we think yeah like whatever light kind of comes out so if you listen to an entire album um sometimes there are there are a bunch of different types of songs rather than like one vibe the whole time you know yeah no it bounces everywhere especially with the last release you guys have on spotify um mm -hmm. but yeah it's i don't know it's weird it's weird that identifying thing like i think that the thing that you identify with in that genre comes out in everything and you start to realize everyone has that kind of like it's almost like the underdog mentality like oh this is my my thing versus the world and like it, that's everyone everyone likes that story or everyone likes that that mindset and like it's sometimes easier to find in genres that are like clearly rough you know what i mean like or clearly sure. like sticking out like <laughs> yeah 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 and it's funny because like you know, like he said, we started out metal and we we evolved towards alternative and then ended up at like making pop type music. But I feel like we've come full circle in regards to what we listen to. Yeah. Like we were coming back from playing three hours of laid back acoustic music <laughs> in like around Cleveland area. And we were listening to Master of Puppets on the way back. <laughs> So it's just like a full circle thing. Like we listened to a Lord album and then changed it to Metallica. So yeah. it's, it's cool that we now can, um, throughout that whole journey of it, can appreciate bits yeah. and pieces from every corner of it. So find the metal and Lord, like you know, what I mean, it's <laughs> it's whatever you identify with that appeals, makes music appealing. You find that kind of within all these other genres. Like, know who's metal as fuck? Felonious Monk. That dude's metal as shit. And you're like, what? And then you learn his story. You're like, oh yeah, that dude, you know what I mean? It's it's a weird perspective. And the more you dive into an art, music, painting, whatever it is, you find that in like so many other people. And it's a beautiful thing because you are continuously growing and appreciating someone else's story. And then it feeds into what you do. And like, I don't know, that's awesome. Cause like, yeah. uh, learning that you guys are metal from what I heard was like, what? <laughs> but made <laughs> sense. You know what I mean? Like, um, so you guys kind of started playing 2011 more together. Seriously. Is that where it, we're picking yeah. up on or like, is this so a we thing? Kinda, we kind of, um, started doing more gigs around then. Okay. So like, um, playing covers still, but gotcha. a couple hours of gigs and like, um, you know, just playing as a band. We had what, three other members and, yeah. uh, yeah, it was just like classic garage band, you know, yeah. type scenario. But, um, in 2015 it was, after we got out of high school, we were like, okay, we can actually do this, um, with the hopes of it becoming a career yeah. someday, you know? Um, and then we started really, 
um, harping on original material. And uh, then that went through a couple iterations as well with uh, a couple different people as other band members. And then in uh, 2017 is when we kind of um, figured out that it's hard to put somebody else in our um, yeah. relationship, you know, cause we've literally been together since we were born. Ever. So <laughs> yeah. So like, it, it's just, we realized that what we've got is hard to add another chemical into the mix. Mm-hmm. So, um, 2017 is when we put out the, uh, the little EP, which was the first thing as a duo. And then since then we've just been working on our craft as like as a duo. So, Gotcha. It's interesting, like, uh, when you develop a musical connection with somebody, and, like, with you guys, it's it, it, everything, you know, your family, you know what I mean? Um, right. It just, but there's, like, this this thing when you, even, like, neuro, neurotypically, or neuro neuroscience-wise, there's, like, when you sing with someone, there's this chemical called serotonin release that's only, like, released when, like you are in love with somebody and like, but it also happens when you sing with somebody like it's, it's a neuro connection that happens to a neurochemical reaction that you have when you have this musical connection with someone as well. And that's hard to develop, especially when you're writing original stuff and like, you know, uh, when he does that, I got to go here or he, uh, he added an extra verse, you know, just little things (laughs) like that build up this like, strong like relationship and it's hard to integrate someone who doesn't get those like little intricacies and someone's yeah. really got to stick through to like develop that with you with anyone they're like um like i with sea level with my band it's always been me and cody and i've been playing with him since he was like 12 and i was 15 it's not mm-hmm. as you know it's not as a uh, uh long as your guys how you guys have been playing together but yeah. he knows when I add a verse, he's like, fuck, you know, he's like, <laughs> and I can't expect anyone else to like put up with my shit. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's more of that or it's more of this cool music connection. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, the, the guys who have been in the band, like throughout the years, we, we love those guys. Like, yeah. We would hang out with them and, shoot the shit any day but like um i feel like from from their point of view there might also be like a a a thought of like i'm not contributing because Mm. we're so in sync together kane and i so it's like it's probably really hard from that angle getting into that mix so yeah because we were always just like oh like i would write something like one of our songs that we wrote um he just came up with this effect like on a synth or whatever i'm horrible at piano but i was sitting over at the piano and i played this like melody that like a piano player wouldn't come up with because they actually know how to play (laughs) and we started just going back and forth on lyrics so like i would sing line, he would sing a line and um it's like when you're doing that and we listen to a lot of the same music together now so like we'll listen to songs in the car um a recent thing that happened so we're recording new music right now, and yep. we were listening to this uh, One Republic song, and this is really nerdy, but it had an acoustic guitar in it. Yeah. But what was cool is it had two, and they each were playing opposite rhythms, so it was like constant, like constant motion or whatever. Was it like syncopated? Like one was on the yeah. hand? Okay. 
Yes. And okay. so we were, we were listening to it in the car and I was like, dude, that's cool how they're doing that. And we talked about it. And then I think a couple of days later we were adding acoustic to one of our songs and I was just like, Hey, let's do that one Republic thing that we heard. And he's like, Oh yeah. And he gave me another track. And then we did the thing that we yeah. like had heard. Like, so we'll take little techniques from that. We like just hear and we both know what the other's talking about. Cause we were listening to it together. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard that it's hard to like force that. You know what I mean? Exactly. Or I, I imagine that's like the, the headache for every producer, you know what I mean? Like someone comes in with the band of like, they've been it through the ruts together. They know exactly what they're going for. And they're like, no, no, make it sound dirtier, but clean. And you know what I mean? Like, like that. It's... Yeah. So really understanding that and experiencing that together, that's like next level stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and it, yeah. it with like producing techniques, that's really interesting. I haven't like, I haven't, I've heard some One Republic stuff, but I haven't like depicted it. And what's cool with like pop stuff, that's what really, that's kind of where the art happens. More like experimental stuff is going on in the recording, recording. I mean, right. beside, uh, uh, along with the music, you know what I mean? But like, um, it's inter, it seems with that style, like in particular, producing and like uh, uh, in the studio work is like on another level. And I don't know if it's like a budget thing or if it's just more time thinking about how that's going to be put out. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Cause like, you know, some pop stuff can be surface level and content, but like when you really hone in on what's going on behind like a voice, like a vocal track, well, even on the vocal track, like they, the, like, Ariana Grande stuff is just like next level yeah. production. Like, yeah. When yeah. you listen to that stuff, it's just like, holy crap. Like, how did they think of that? And right. how long did that take? And like, why are they doing that? I love it, but why? Like, how did they get there? Right. Just a lot of cool stuff. So it, it's weird because, like, you with like, how do they think of that? That's the thing. Like, how do they think to add like a syncopated guitar? You know, it's really going to fill this up. And like, and then they just come with that and they come up with that idea and it does like, that's what gets it. I don't know. Like with the music stuff, you can be like, oh, okay, well he thought of that because that scale fits over that chord. You know what I mean? Like you can dissect it a little bit more as a musician, but like Mm -hmm. when it comes to like producing and stuff, it's like, fuck, there's Ableton's endless. You know what I mean? Like garage bands, endless. There's so much stuff you can do with like, that's in your phone. (laughs) Yeah. yeah well like he's uh kane's like music theory guy like he yeah. went to school for that and he so he knows how everything technically should work and okay. i not like that i taught myself how to play piano yeah so i'm i'm from a different mindset with all this stuff so um and then more songs now are using like like a 1975 song, he was like, I just used a voice memo of me clapping. Yeah. And now it's on a song that gets like billions of streams, you know? <laughs> uh, so that's another thing that's, I feel like is going on with music right now is like, um, the, a lot more people I feel like are using homemade sounds and yeah. like, making them in legit songs. And so we've kind of tried to do that. Mm-hmm. There's one song that we're uh, working on right now that, uh, I heard, I heard something in my head. So I'm like, I'm going to go try it. I went upstairs and 
um, our, our, in our basement, we have a little home studio. So we yeah. went upstairs and I t- just took my phone and turned the, the tap on and I put a glass of water underneath it and I just captured a drop of water into <laughs> the glass. And now that's every other snare <laughs> on the song. That's so, awesome. Um, yeah, it's just like little weird stuff like that that um, it ends up being cool, but you just got to try it first. Yeah. So I felt like an idiot just with my phone, <laughs> like <laughs> turning on the tap just right so I could get that perfect drop, you know? <laughs> I wondered what he was doing too. Like I saw him up there because you didn't, you didn't really tell me what you were going to do. And I was like, okay, whatever. And then I could see him and he's like, uh, okay. Uh, but that's some yellow submarine shit. You know what I mean? Like the sure. Beatles were like recording a tub, like to get like, it, it, I think there's all, it's in a way taking all the sounds around us and all the only thing that's not making the music is the lack of organization. Right. So finding mm-hmm. ways to capture them and organize them like that. Yeah. And it, technology makes it so anything can be recorded anywhere and then you can fuck with it and you can make it sound cool even if it doesn't. So right. It, Big thing that like, inspired me to kind of think outside the box was I heard the story of the Beatles. They wanted a dirty guitar sound. So they took their amp and stabbed a hole in it, (laughs) you know, pretty much broke the amp to give it that sound. And it's like, at a certain point, you just have unlimited opportunities. You just got to try it. Yeah. And it's, that's the art of it, right? Like anything can work. It's how you organize it. And uh, with like, uh, with how, everything is at the palm of your hand now and you can find a way to manipulate it and like distribute, I don't know. It's, it's, it's endless and it's endlessly inspiring in the same way. Um, as well, as well as endlessly frustrating. Yes. (laughs) Because what do I do? There's so much shit. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's like, how do you reel yourself in? Sure. Was it, you guys have a really unique writing style. Um, cause like, I was trying to figure it out listening through the um, the record that you guys have out and the few singles you have out. And now the two singles you put out are going to be intertwined with the next release, right? Or are they just standard by standing by themselves? The, yeah, they're, um, they're their own little um, thing. It's okay. kind of pandemic-inspired. Yeah. Uh, so we kind of wanted to just bottle our thoughts on how last year was and uh exciting and eventful everyone knows (laughs) yeah just (laughs) so yeah we kind of wanted to just put those two out and have them be their own little thing we didn't even plan on doing that obviously until we were stuck in our respective homes and I was getting stir crazy and he was, was getting things and fearing things. <laughs> do you guys, so, do you guys live near each other? Do you live together? Uh, we live now. We live about what? 40 minutes. Away like from a half each hour. Other. Okay. okay. Yeah. Where yeah. are you guys at? Uh, I'm in Fostoria, Ohio okay. and he's in Bowling Green, Ohio. Oh, okay. That makes, okay. 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 Yeah. I was going to, but anyway, stir crazy is catchy as fuck. Side note. Hey, <laughs> That's a very catchy tune. Um, because I noticed you guys play a lot, like at Howard's, in the Viaduct, some Tiffin mm-hmm. areas. Did you go to Tiffin, Kane, for mm-hmm. a music? Okay. I, so we kind of grew up in Tiffin. Um, okay. Like our first house that we lived in was there and stuff. And then, yeah, we've played the Viaduct before and like a couple other, a couple other spots there. Um, and yeah, I went to school at 
I went to Owens in Toledo actually okay. just for a music performance thing. Gotcha. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we kind of play all over. We play in Finley as well and that kind of thing. Howard's is one of the only spots near us. Howard's in like Ottawa Tavern in Toledo yeah. are kind of some of the only places I think that you can do all original sets or whatever. A lot of the other places like in Finley are more cover gigs and that kind of thing. So to do your own stuff, we usually end up having to drive, you know, like to Cleveland or Columbus, that kind of thing. I know yeah. one of the first out of town shows I think was at Coda. Okay. Oh, with yeah. uh, uh, Apostle Jones. Uh, I, we played there the second time with Apostle okay. Jones. I get the first time. Um, there was a two-piece with us. I, I can't really remember. Yeah, it's hard to remember. I it's love that like, place. Oh, that place is so cool. It is rad. It's like it's like leaving your basement to play in a basement. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the but back like wall. Nice basement. Say what? But like a nice basement. Yeah, a like, nice basement with a kitchen. Yeah. But yeah, no, Dakota's rad, and I really hope they're doing all right with all this. And same with Howard's. Howard's is a cool spot. Sea Level's yeah. played at Howard's a few times. I played the last time I think I played at Howard's with was uh, the Robin Blake Sound Experiment. I was playing filling in guitar with them. But oh, Howard's cool. is a cool setup, man. Like it's kinda like have you guys ever played the five o'clock in Cleveland? Five o'clock mm-hmm. lounge? Okay. You know how Howard's is kinda like set up where you like walk in one end and there's the bar and you round yeah. the corner, then there's the stage. So yeah. if you want to be like, I don't care about the band, I'm on the bar right. end. Uh, the five o'clock's like that, <laughs> like, and it's cool because like when everyone's really into it, you're like, oh sweet, one end's packed, everyone's here listening to us. But when they don't care, you're like, no, yeah. come to the other side. I know you can hear me. Yeah, it's like one of those situations where you can visually tell if people <laughs> get shit, <laughs> which is a blessing and a curse, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's good that they have the choice. I guess. Yeah, 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 and it it's interesting, like, because out. Out that way, like um, my uh, our CeeLo's original drummer went to um, Tiffin, like and before, so we were kind of bouncing, doing some things out there and doing some things. Uh, he would come here, but after a while, it ended up we just split ways for a bit. And um, but Tiffin's a real interesting town as far as like some of the music stuff that goes around. Like the Viaduct's a really cool spot, and yeah. Howard's is really cool. And there's like this unique like little sub hub of stuff you can do like i don't know if the viaduct is as much as an original place as howard's because the night i went there was like it was original groups um only reason i was there <laughs> yeah. but like um get, uh, when we played it was mostly original but we had to fill like what an hour and a half gotcha. so, so we we just had to play a couple covers just out of necessity but like um the the viaduct and Howard's kind of give me the same vibe as like, they've been there a long time. You go in and you know, like some shit has gone down in yeah. there, <laughs> but like, it's just like a, it's like a classic music venue, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just you walk in and you're like, okay, this is like the green room looks like disgusting. You know, there's some it's just, stickers, uh, there's some, right. there's some tags, stickers, stickers everywhere. It, all smells like piss. <laughs> no, but Howard's in the past couple of years has really like like cleaned the hell up. Like yeah. their their stage now compared to when we first played there. It's awesome. Is like yeah. crazy. Like the light show there now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it's it's cool. I think they still have the pee tub though, right? <laughs> and Howard's. Do they still have the piss tub? <laughs> like I don't 
I don't think so. Okay, I maybe maybe it wasn't Howard's. Maybe I'm thinking of somewhere else. Um, <laughs> but in it, a trough somewhere. Yeah, yeah. At a venue. <laughs> um, but it's interesting just because, like, I, I don't know. I feel like the it's a college town and gets kind of a college crowd for both of those venues, right? And then sure. it's got to be pretty dead when it's not, like, school time or summertime or whatever. Yeah. So that it has to be a constant fluctuation of, like, a scene that exists and then doesn't exist. Right. And the other thing is like, you know, we start playing at like midnight or whatever. Okay. So sick. (laughs) That seems late. Yeah. But, but when we're done packing our shit up, like the crowds of people walking on the sidewalk, like (laughs) going, just they're out, you know, it's one in the morning. It's just like, it, it seems like we should be playing an hour later because yeah. like that's when everyone's out like Weird. doing shit. Okay. Yeah. That's Crazy. it's have you guys, how far have you, uh, I know, I know you've done some out of town travels. Um, have you ever played in New York? Uh, we have not. No. Okay. It's that same way. Like you get like a, a 11 o'clock set or a 10 o'clock set. You're like, it's all right. Not too many people are going to hang out. And that ends up being like the shitty set. You want like the two o'clock set or some shit. Right. Like it right. just functions on another time. And I'm going to yeah. guess that might be like the college scene of it. But um, mm-hmm. anyway, um, kind of the bounce back. You guys have a r- interesting writing styles initially, how I <laughs> prompted this question. They went down <laughs> this rabbit hole. And like, it's really cool that you can feed off each other in a way like where you're writing line by line. Has that always been the thing? Or has it been like one guy brings a, a song to the finished? What can you add to it? So usually, actually, um, the back and forth thing happens less often. Okay. Because uh, it's just when we're when we're together, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but usually, what happens is we'll so we both will like produce our own song just by ourselves. So, yeah. You know, um, usually the way it works, Kyle writes. Uh, whenever he writes a song, it's it's already good. Yeah. And, yeah. and he. As he has them less frequently, whereas mm. I'll write like three songs a week, and out of every fifty I write, like two are good. So gotcha. I kind of operate under the just like churn out more and more songs as much as possible. So usually when I think I have something, I will I'll show it to him, and if he says, "Oh, that's cool," then I know that it sucks. <laughs> and if he gets really excited, then I know that it's like good, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, and usually I'll we'll kind of like I'll send it to him and then he'll put it on his computer once we get into like our studio space. Yeah. And then there what we do is we swap out all the instruments that we want to make better cuz it's okay. just like I do really quick demos like 2 to 3 hours and it's done and I yeah. just forget about it. And so we just add a bunch of other instruments to it and then um after that, then we obviously we take off all my crappy vocals that I put on and uh, replace them with his. And we like kind of redo lyrics, make sure everything's working. And then from there is when it gets fun, I think, because then it's a process of like um, not second guessing everything, but making sure it's exactly what we want. Yeah. So like, is that snare like exactly what we want it to sound like? And then we'll go through like 50 <laughs> snare drums. Can you use some more water drops? Like, yeah yeah exactly so and then like lyrics and stuff will kind of swap out for something a little better okay. that is singable for him you know yeah. sometimes it bounces off 
of him differently than me. So I might write a lyric and he doesn't like connect with it. So sometimes we'll change stuff that way. And then vice versa, when he brings something in, um, I kind of, whoever song it is, even though I consider it both of our songs, uh, we can, the other one kind of sits back first and lets, lets the other one get to the end of their idea first. And then it's like, Oh wait, how can we change this? You know? Okay. Well, that's cool because you give that it's, I think with music, it's really important or anything when you're recording it, you got to listen back and hear what other people are hearing and it's easy to get caught up in how it feels. So that's, that's a really cool, like system you guys have that you kind of trade off and sit back and hear it. Um, that's so do you do like the three songs a week? Do you have like a, like a regiment? Cause that's pretty badass. I, I kind of do. Yeah. Uh, just if I have the time, you know, um, and like I said, most of them are crab, but yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's he, the practice it, of it. Yeah. It takes away the anxiety of like, Oh, I'm not doing it. I'm not yeah. doing enough, whatever. And for me to get something good, I just have to get the crappy song out of my system. Yeah. Cause a lot of times I'll have like, a vibe in my head like you especially if i'm trying a new type of idea like when i first started writing like more pop songs um there are always like five warm-up pop songs to like one good one <laughs> where you're like you're just testing out like a production technique or doing drums this way or whatever and it's not natural at first yeah and so then you know you practice it to make it just what you naturally would do you know and then eventually once you it seems like once you let go of an idea like you're not forcing it anymore is when the good one comes mm. so whenever i'm like i'm gonna write a song that's so catchy then it just sounds like <laughs> it, it sounds slam or something yeah and then, then i'll forget about it i'm like you know what never mind i'm not gonna do that and then three days later like one just pops in and it's exactly what i was looking for before so it's almost like a way to practice Being, for those situations. yeah it's like practicing creativity, and mm. I think that's that's a that's really cool. That's a. The, I was talking with um this drummer Andrew Toy, he's a drummer out of DC, and um he just he's coming out with this um like experimental avant garde record with all these cool like things that you don't play on drums put together and like he we were kind of like bringing up the idea of practicing creativity and like everyone's got a different way to do that. And it's something you don't really think like you think about practicing technique. You think about practicing your instrument. You think about gigs being kind of practice for handling, you know, all these other things are kind of practice. But like, Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of times creativity goes to the wayside and it's kind of like spur of the moment, which is cool. You know what I mean? Like you got to take in the put out. You got to be inspired to be like, I got a song, you know, something shitty happened or this is great or whatever. And like those songs always that the inspiration and like usually fuels that song but it's also important to have that like i spent forever writing these shitty songs or songs that didn't go anywhere so when that does come it's like you said it just comes out like your brain's already in that like uh melodic harmonic connecting mode and just spits out something sweet yeah yeah with uh i i don't write as many songs as he does but yeah I'm my version of it is always uh, I, I'm always like randomly thinking of lyrics and thinking of melodies. So like um, our one song magic. Yeah. The chorus is. I thought that literally while I was 
uh, peeing at work. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. So then I went, I went out, walked outside, went in my car and recorded it on my phone. And then I just built around that. And, uh, and then for, I think for stir crazy, I was mowing my lawn or something. And I'm, I just, you know, have an hour to do this thing. So I'm like, mowing my lawn and it just pops in my head and I just keep, I keep singing in my head so I don't forget it. And then, um, with lyrics, if I think of a cool lyric, I just either keep saying it in my head or I write it down in my notes, you know? Um, so it's not like full fledged, write a song every day for me. It's more of like, um, finding bits and pieces from wherever they come. Yeah. And, just honing it in that way so it makes sense like when you're doing something that's like like you're doing something right like your brain and you don't have to like think about what you're doing it gives you your your brain like if you're taking a shower if you're driving right like at least for myself that's when i find myself like figuring out the most shit and if i get appropriately caffeinated those ideas come really quick and i'm like yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the right level of like doing something. So I'm not like that. Relate to um, came what you said about the anxiety of not doing it. I really relate to that because I get a lot of like, fuck. Why am I outside enjoying the day? I should be working on the thing. You know what I mean? I don't know if that's just like because you guys, you're real deal musicians. You hustle. You're doing the the original gigs. You're doing the the cover gigs. You're you're doing the groundwork and like. Uh, and that's that's what I do like and like so I relate to that and like but you get that I am my own employer what the fuck am I not doing you know what I mean like right and then there's that like fuck I should be at least attempting to write something shitty or I could be learning this song and figuring out what key works for me you know what I mean like there's that that thing like so they find the piece of it (laughs) when you're doing something you're like well I am Took, it took care of that anxiety. I'm busy. I'm driving. And then right. it allows your brain the calmness to be like, uh, <laughs> something cool. <laughs> with with us, we're recording more music right now. So yeah. like, Do you guys got a what? name for the release, side note? For the, uh, um, or is there not, not, a, not a title on the album yet? If you want. I mean, you, you're the one who, Ooh, well, I think actually, I that. We can't tell you yet because we keep arguing on what the title's going to be. <laughs> so then if I told you, it'd TBA. be like, um, yeah, and then, uh, right. and then he'd be like, what the heck, dude? <laughs> and then it comes out to be something different, and we start to promote this record that doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but when we're right, you know, we're writing that stuff right now, so like, when I sit down and like, watch a Browns game, I'm like, uh, why am I doing this? I need to be... <laughs> Because we're trying to finish this, but then, yeah. like, if I sit down and just, like, chill, then I'm like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> yeah. So I feel that, for sure. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird, if anyone who's, like, a self-employed or live in the gig economy or, or, or does any type of work where they're in charge of their affairs, it's, I think that's a, a thing. And yeah. then there, there's the tough balance of living the work and working to live and, like, yeah. trying to find out which one you want to do <laughs> and there's no right or wrong answer and it's always fluctuating for which one right. to do and so like, I, yeah, I feel like 2020 was a big punch in the gut for like well for everybody but yeah. for musicians because you know like you were saying you're playing gigs and stuff too and it's like when that gets kind of taken away um i feel like when you're busy 
you can kind of distract yourself with being busy. Yeah, you know, you definitely. have to think too much about like, am I not doing this right? Am I not doing this? But then I noticed for me, and I'm interested to hear if like you had the same thing. Um, as soon as we stopped all, like all the self doubt that I didn't know was there was just like, here, here I am. Like it just came up and I was like, Oh no, it was real, you know? So, no, definitely. I definitely, it was, it, it kind of like put the, the finickness of what you think matters, you know, the, not the finickness, the weakness of what you think matters to some degree or the validity that it maybe doesn't. Cause like you mm-hmm. spend forever developing these connections with these established like venues and, 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 and building this rapport with, the, with this club. And every Thursday, these people come to eat that and see you guys. And you know what I mean? And like, how much that can after a month just not exist. Like I don't, I don't know if you guys, I know you do constant like bar gigs and such and, um, which we'll put a pin in that, but like, do you guys like, have you ever hosted a mic night or done one of those type of gigs? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, like if you don't have that consistently, it crumbles. Like if you take the next Thursday off, the following Thursday, no one shows up and then you're just rehearsing and it sucks. Like, but there's, it's so fine. And like the pandemic kind of crumbled some of those, like those structures that they then brought out this, like how you're saying this, like self doubt of, was I really good? Was it okay even like, yeah. (laughs) Would you personally, what I did was like, I, um, I got the time off. Like my day gig is I teach as well as like playing in nursing homes and doing the bar gigs and hosting mic nights and then doing the original shit, doing the hustle. Right. Um, and doing music or doing any creative outlet. That's what you do. You find the 90 things you do. You essentially try to live in New York in a place you can afford, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like just working a million jobs. But like, uh, I like just, gave myself a strict schedule. Like I'm going to wake up, work out. I'm going to work on, uh, understanding these jazz progressions and trying to play over the Coltrane changes. You know what I mean? And then I'm going to change the key. And then just like, I gave myself this regimen of shit to do, like work mm-hmm. on the, the banjo, work on the mandolin, work on the piano, work on drums, work on vocal stuff right for an hour. Oh shit. It's four o'clock. <laughs> I can <laughs> yeah. hang out now. And I would do that every day for the first, until school started back up and I started working again. And like, Mm-hmm. But I've always kind of had like every morning I do like a routine like that, just a maintenance routine, which is yeah. different than practicing creativity because, you know what I mean? Like it's a different thing. You can't just jump yeah. into it. You got to – it's hard. It's hard to practice creativity. Yeah. But like yeah. that's what I did. Like I just kind of buckled in and just kind of like to, to, to avoid that self-doubt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, you know what? I'm still doing something. What did you yeah, guys I- do? So I do, I do the same kind of similar, what you said you do. I teach on the side. Okay, cool, cool. I do like, um, private lessons and that kind of deal. And the same thing happened to me. Luckily we were able to like go online, but I went from 40 students to like eight over the course of a week, you know, quick. And so then I did this same exact, which I'm like this anyway, but I did the same exact thing where it's like, I wake up at this time, I do this, I do this and I just you know, like you said, and then it's before you know it, it's four o'clock and then I would teach and then I'd be done, you know, yeah. and, um, that's how I kind of did it. Your job. Yeah, um, I do. Uh, I do web design on the side. Okay. So it's lucky enough to be able to work. You're fine. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, that's I, sick. 
And, you know, now the more I think about it, I'm like, I, I didn't realize how lucky I was that I yeah. can still work. Like, yeah, it would have been cool to just sit and do nothing. But like some people literally could not yeah. go to work. I, I can do anything remotely. So I was really lucky in that. And then, um, being able to work from home right when I turn off that part of the job, I can just turn around and I have my <laughs> keyboard here and just, um, work on that stuff. So, um, it, it worked out pretty well for me and I'm really grateful for that. So was it, and, and you were ahead of it cause you've worked with like the online stuff, like everyone was yeah. catching up trying to figure that shit exactly. out. So you, yeah. you had the, the leg up. Like, right. I'm, I was used to working from home when I would, you know, like on a gig day, I'll work a half day at home yeah. and just, you know, do what I got to do. But, uh, yeah, some people had to have that learning curve, and I was lucky enough not to have that either. Yeah, you're like, no, no, I know what I know what connection is going to work with Zoom. Yeah. I got this. You know what I mean? Bye bye. <laughs> I know about original sound. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but that was it. One thing. Okay, so all this like nor the 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 crumbling of like what you the standard of how you do things opened up like these new doors to find ways to do the same things. And then became celebrated. Like, oh, dog walker finds a way to walk dogs with masks. So like, Sir, you know what I mean? Like, just fill in the blank, whatever it is. Like, it started to become celebrated again. And, like, it's cool because people are trying to find ways to be innovative. Like, the dogs are all in bubbles. Like, whatever it is, like, <laughs> whatever it yeah. is, like, it opened up these, this, these, this, like, thing. Now we have to cut the covert corners in a way and learn how to rework things and, like, I don't know musically how that panned out for you guys, but like here, like with uh, Michelle Gall, have you came across Mimi Arden and those guys? Okay. She started this virtual showcase thing where it's singer songwriter in the round type deal and you'd mm. pay $5 to get the Zoom code and it all went to the musicians. Like uh, Maddie Finn and Ray Flanagan did one and they like raised like 600 bucks. Like it was ridiculous. Yeah. And then it got picked up by Bright Winner. And like, oh, oh yeah. And like, so they just started doing this. Everyone just started supporting each other in this weird way that, not weird way, in this amazing way that maybe right. wouldn't or would have happened before. And like, so everyone just started to find these new ways to do it. And uh, it's kind of exciting because it leads to things you normally wouldn't do. Like, and like, what's a record release look like now? Yeah. I don't know. Exactly. You know what I mean? Usually it's yeah. like you have that big show and you find right. some ways to trickle it later. But. Mm -hmm fuck <laughs> yeah we uh we got the chance to do more like live stream stuff and um it's an interesting comparison to a live show because yeah. like with the live stream between each song i can see who's watching who's commenting with the exact person and i'll shout them out you know yeah, yeah. because um i know what their name is whereas if i'm at a show it's just a bunch of people sitting there yeah, yeah. if i talk too much at a show I'll start talking in circles and sound like an idiot. And is that, is that reason, something that happens? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I talk more than like, uh, more than like 10 seconds at a show, I just like get way too personal. And I <laughs> guess like, what did I do yesterday? Um, I, I just I do know. some stupid shit when I start talking. So <laughs> yeah. I try to keep I don't know, minimum. <laughs> but with the live the live stream, it, I feel like it's way more comfortable because yeah. everyone's just watching at their leisure, you know. Yeah. And um, 
the fact that I can see, like, if people comment and ask a specific question, that's the other thing, too. If someone's curious about something, they can literally ask me in the comments and I can yeah. answer them. So it, it's that, like, instant gratification, too. So yeah, that's been cool. No, it is. It's it's almost more personal in a way mm-hmm. than being in person, which is kind of a mind fuck. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like, too... Um, at least this is what I think. The music industry seems kind of binary in the sense that you have these musicians over here who they do like the live show thing. Yeah. Like they just play gigs, gig, gig, gig. And then you have this other side of like the internet musicians who do this thing. Mm-hmm. And with both of those, you have like your, da- your good things and the downfalls. So like, I feel like for live musicians, sometimes um, the recording of stuff, like the production isn't, as solid because they're not spending as much time on that with yeah. their original songs whereas you know like the internet people their production's amazing but they can't play a live show to save their life you know yeah like they, i've seen artists who their first ever show was like on a uh, music awards it was their huh. first performance and it was that's weird yeah success online and they performed and it was not good because they'd never done it before so i think that this whole like pandemic happening maybe will make people have like a mixture of both, which is something we want to do. Like, yeah, still, you know, people should still take advantage of like the live stream stuff and being able to, you know, just work on your production and push, push like Spotify stuff and things like that. But also make sure that you have an awesome live show yeah. for we get the opportunity to play in front of a bunch of people you can actually like deliver. So I hope that it kind of they kind of combine a little bit more because they seem kind of separate right now. That's interesting. Think, interesting point because you're right. It's it's it uh you can only put so much effort in one way, and there's this kind of the balance is key for a lot of things, and that's a mm-hmm. lot of successful groups have like this balance of like they've played it out enough, and then they you know what I mean or 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 they they recorded it and they played it out enough, or if it's too studio. How how am I going to get those sounds live when it's just the yeah. two of us, right? Like, um, who's going to queue up the other thing while you're doing that? Like, oh, like, <laughs> yeah, that's been something we had to figure out because um, up until 2017, we'd been playing with three other people. So, yeah. you know, you can do this part, you can do this part, you can do this part. But then when it was just us, we're like, okay, how do we do this? And um, we we found a way to like balance it we're doing a lot of shit at once but yeah um, we figured out i think we figured out a good way in our live show to make it a good balance between electronic and like real live like yeah. playing recording stuff. wise so, it sounds like that like i think you oh, guys do it like it, it does like listening to um i want to get into a few songs in a minute but th- listening to some of the songs like you can hear this this beautiful guitar arrangement coming through but it's padded with all this sp- this space and like these cool electronic or not electronic, but studio added things. And it makes this whole atmosphere to like what may have been just like an acoustic guitar. You know what I mean? Which is what's really unique about you guys. Um, what, what did that process look like dwindling down from three people? Like, are you looping stuff? Do you got samples ready? Like I noticed you got like a keyboard stack behind you. Is it, is it like, or maybe it's two and some cool red looking thing on top. Um, (laughs) <laughs> but um, th- th- is it working with MIDI stuff on one, or what's what did that process kind of boil into to some degree? So before um, we were running 
our we had a, a just a click track and a backing track yeah and uh, that would be running through ableton okay and we also have a light a midi light track that would run through there and we have an interface that connects the computer to our uh our stage lights. Okay, so that, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a, a whole light show that's in sync to nice all of our music, and that is like a one of the really big parts of our live show. Like we tell them, turn off all the lights in this room. Yeah, because got our show, we throw a little fog on it, and it just it really <laughs> just elevates the whole vibe of the place. And it definitely does. That's what, yeah, because that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to like make people like go holy crap like this is cool so um yeah and we we try to put as little on the backing tracks as we can because we want to play most of it live yeah Uh, so then i store my sounds in uh main stage and then he's got main stage on his laptop on the other side of the stage Mm. so he can play some key parts when he's not playing guitar parts and then we've got um two toms right behind us in the middle so we can each play drums oh that's cool in the back there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And with so the lights of it that's sick yeah it's a lot of jumping back and forth and stuff but um keeps us busy <laughs> yeah, and like drums are such you know we don't have a drummer yeah and a lot of a lot of duos will have like uh like 21 pilots the black keys are two that come to mind um they have a drummer and and then they're a vocalist right yeah and you kind of don't care if there are tracks because drums are so visual yeah. that you're just watching the drummer a lot of the time, especially if they're an entertaining drummer. Whereas um, when you don't have one, you have to have some sort of visual element so that, pe- that people can latch on to. So um, that's why we did the light show, because we're like, we want something that's as visual or like more visual than having a drummer. So it's not just us standing here yeah. playing you know um yeah yeah and adding the live drums to the mix where we can both go over and um play the drums like there we add sections to the songs live that aren't in the recording where we both will get off of our normal instrument kind of walk over center like do like a drum break just to have something like more entertaining for people to watch that feels like it feels more visceral than just like keys yeah. and like a drummer there yeah. well it's it's the kind of the you expect to see the drummer right you expect to see that somehow being creative or or like if you're looping stuff you expect to see them tap out the beat before you hear it you know what i mean um yeah. it's part of, there's so much of that visual thing that makes certain things like just kind of going back to cold play like there's something like when you see it happen that resonates more with you and like Part of that is the whole thing, right? And, like, I think that having a light show, that's, like, neck. there's so much that goes into what you guys just described. Like, there's so much rehearsal that goes into being able to do that for every fucking gig, to play to, even if it was just a recorded track, to play to it and be ready to rock on that. It's almost harder than, like, having the drummer who can follow you when you fuck up. (laughs) Like, Yeah, and that that was a learning curve for us because, you know, before, like, if if one of us is off, we can just like look at each other like, hey, let's like visually <laughs> get on the same on the same beat, you know. But like, um, yeah, we kind of had to learn how to stick to a structure, and we got to the point in 2019 where it was like starting to be muscle memory. Like, yeah, we had five six songs in a set list that were in like the same order, 
and we'd play those and we just knew like we could feel like what was coming and um the transition from one song to the next was pretty easy gotcha. so um did stay yeah. the, i guess the only problem would be like it would stay set set order or something like the deviation we, would be a little tough because it's kind of preset that'd be the only thing yeah, we could kind of move them around. We yeah. tried not because once we found a f- good flow, um, yeah. it's kind of like putting together an album. Like you yeah, wanted yeah. to kind of go from one to the next in an easy and easy way that kind of makes sense. But like um, once we got a lot of the original songs kind of stayed in the same spot, it was, you know, if we, we would throw like one or two covers in there just to like, you know, feed people's need to hear something they yeah. already know, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so switching those out, um, that was mostly what we would do. That's but, cool. Because yeah. I think as far as like when you go into a show, you want to at least know, okay, fuck, we're going to start with that. We're going to end with that. You know what I mean? Having that structure and like it makes it makes it easier for you, especially with like how on point you would have to be to do all the things you guys are doing. And like, but then having room to be like, okay, now we're going to cover uh, Marcy's playground or, okay, we're going to cover whatever the fuck and add that yeah. in there and be able to put your own twist on it. Like, um, but that, uh, that's interesting. That had to be, like I was saying, a shit ton of work to boil that all down and then figure out the light system. Like, but yeah, initially it was like a ton of work, but yeah. once we got, once we got like that foundation set up, then it was just like, okay, uh, it was, is tedious, but um, we, we kind of got into a groove of it. It's actually harder to set up the stuff. Than it is <laughs> we even actually, I think this was before, actually we played Coda yeah. one time and then the net, we had a day between gigs and we were going to Columbus the day after that. And we had some like, it was our first time ever. We, so we bought our own digital mixer yeah, and we bring our own mics, so like the sound guy doesn't have to do anything at all. Yeah, um, because we just had a couple experiences, not at Coda, um, at Coda. just other places sure. that I'm not going to mention, where the sound guy was just like not cool at all. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we would say, you know, we need this, this, and this, and they're like, "Are you kidding me?" Because they're used to like a rock band, like, "Oh, we just ask for shit." Yeah. yeah, yeah, and um. So we just got our own mixer and stuff. And I remember one night, instead of practicing the set list, because we were like, we pretty much have that down now. Yeah. For like an hour and a half, we practiced setting up and tearing down. So we could, <laughs> That's badass. So we, so we could do it as fast as possible. Yeah. So we literally like packed all the stuff up and then walked down the stairs like we were coming into the gig. And we're like, all right, set the timer, go. And we had to do it in under like 10 minutes or whatever. So, so that's sick. Yeah. Like I think well that just kind of speaks to the level of like professional you guys are. I think you guys are the only people who have ever told me that and I think that's the coolest <laughs> thing ever. Like especially if you're going to come in and you're going to have a specific thing that requires a lot of attention to detail, being ready to come in there putting the punk and punctual and knocking everything out and being and oh next man. You know what I mean like yeah, that's right. that's the just I think it, it speaks to the merit of like you guys as musicians and like how professional that's badass. Uh, yeah, because that <laughs> thing with like playing at these shows with you know you got three bands starts at ten supposed to end by two you yeah. know um, they they leave fifteen minutes in between 
yeah. one band next. So like that one band has a full drum set that they need to take off. So by the time they're done, we probably have five minutes to get gone. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we just had to like, really, like, I think we got it down to about five, six minutes. I was about to ask. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And that's the other thing of being a duo now before we had six people, five, yeah. six people put, put their own shit up. And now we have to do it all. So, yeah. Well, it makes, I, I know it makes sense that you would have to hustle it more because there's less of you. Um, what's faster tearing up or setting down or setting up or tearing down? Ooh. Is it both about five? Yeah. I think actually setting up now is faster because mm. we know exactly what we're doing. But tear down, there's another band trying to come on as yeah. you're tearing. Okay. I wish they would just do it like you wait till the band's all the way off and then you go on because it would actually take less time, even though it doesn't seem like it. Yeah. But no, it, for sure. Usually, what happens is someone going like, "Oh, you need help, bro," and then right. moving your one thing, and you're like, "Oh, I was gonna get that after I got this," and then it's yeah. like this whole deal. And it's just for me, I would get way more nervous because like we would practice you know you practice the songs all day long yeah and you come down so then that's how i get not nervous about stuff is i practice it until i feel like i got it and then yeah. i practice it more until i'm like i don't need to touch this song again ever and so then the fear of playing a crappy show is kind of gone yeah because you're like if I play a crappy show, it was meant to happen because I put this much time into it. It's not going to be, it's going to be because of something else, you yeah. know? Um, so the thing that would give me the most anxiety was setting up and tearing down. I would get like butterflies in my stomach. Cause I'm like, we've gotten our sets cut short before from like yeah. mean sound guys. And, uh, <laughs> so I, like, I don't want that to happen again. Yeah. I don't like this confrontation or whatever. So we just practiced that. So then it took away all the, so all you had to really worry about was like, can I put on the best show? Like, I don't want to yeah. start being on stage and I'm like shaky. Cause I was trying to hurry up and like frantically, you know, and then catch your breath before you actually start playing. I want to like yeah. be calm when I go up there, you know, and be able to do the show. That's beautiful. I think that's like taking this negative thing that constantly happens and taking a positive route to better it. That's an amazing, that's an amazing strategy to do it. And like, you're right. I, there is that anxiety of like, okay, I got to set up. If not, their crowd's going to leave and they won't see us. And then we're going to play to nobody. Yeah. There's that too. So on top of like, why won't my pedals turn on? Fuck. What did I do? Uh, I, plug, oh, I didn't man. finish plugging in the thing. Cause I was rapidly trying to tune everything or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like, especially with a, a um, complicated setup or you more more involved like you guys have or like uh uh it's it's easy to fuck one little thing up and be like why isn't it working <laughs> dude i did that pedal thing one time yeah where we were playing <laughs> my i forgot to turn on my amp so i thought something was wrong with like other stuff so anyway <laughs> all my pedals look normal yeah they're all lit up yeah, and so this big part in the song is coming in, and I don't play. I didn't play until like a minute into the song. So mm. it was when we had other guys. Everyone was jamming. Yeah. And then I go like this and like hit this big chord, and I did it, and no sound happened. And I had to go like this and then go and then like turn around, <laughs> turn the amp on like an idiot. And then I was just like embarrassed the rest of the song. I'm like, I can't even get into this anymore. <laughs> Uh, that's funny there's but it's little things like that because um there's this band from austin texas called full service uh, i don't know if you guys are familiar with them they're like i don't they don't play anymore but um they're an amazing group 
And um, when they came through, me and Coda have become buddies with them. And um, Hogue runs a studio now and does mastering work and mastered sea level stuff. But they have this concept of the two percent, and they all have these tattoos with two percent. And we we're like, whoa, two percent of what? What's that mean? You know, I mean, and then <laughs> and then they explain like, well, you do two percent of what music is as a career is actually playing it. Ninety eight percent is everything else. That's and I was like, point. Oh my gosh. Right? But you live for that 2%. I think that's how they said it. We live for the 2%. The 2% makes the 98% worth it. Like, And that's yeah. the booking, the setting up, the sound people that suck, the writing the songs, the arguments over what should be written, and like, then the actual playing. Is yeah, the- we, talk, we talk about that all the time, but I've never heard it explained like that. But yeah, we always say like, you know, the, the transport to the gig, the right? setting up tearing down the logistics of everything Mm -hmm. is like is like the worst thing ever but once you hear the sound guy say you're good to go give you the thumbs up and those lights go down and like for us now we hear the click track going and intro music then we're like in the zone like ready because it's just like that's what you wait for yeah and it's it's only two percent but it's fucking sick so yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> Was it kind of shift gears? I wanted to talk a little bit about some some of your guys' songs. There's some that really resonated with me, and I wanted to kind of learn maybe a little bit more about the history or the origin of them. One of which being Playground. Okay. Like I thought that was such a beautiful song, and I thought that just the try to you know the idea of trying to identify yourself and not venturing too far. So like, where'd that come from? Is there uh, is there a cool origin for that or is it just Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for saying that by the way. Um but I was uh I was pumping gas one time. Yeah. And I was near a school and I just heard like kids playing on the playground and I had I think that day I was having like thoughts of just your classic um you know, oh I got to do this, I got to do yeah. this, all this on the checklist and I heard the kids playing and I was like um man, that was cool. When I, I <laughs> yeah. Do that. And you don't, when you're a kid, you don't realize like what adult life is going to really be like. Yeah. Um, cause it kind of gets glorified into something cool. different at yeah. times. And, uh, so then I, I just, all I had in my head was like, Oh, a title playground would be cool. So yeah. then I went home and I grabbed my acoustic guitar and I just wrote the whole song as, uh, like an acoustic guitar ballad or whatever. Yeah. And, that was what it was originally. And I brought it to Kyle and I was like, Hey, I have this like acoustic ballad that we should put on the album. He listened to it. He's like, it's cool. But then he was like, I think I should put drums on it. And I'm like, I don't think it needs drums. And he's like, just like, leave the room for like 30 minutes. And I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> Sometimes if the other's trying to get in the way, we just make the other person leave and we just tr- trust each other. So I just left yeah. the room. And then I came back and like when the drums come in in that song, he played like the beginning part for me. That's just all acoustic guitar. Yeah. And then the drum came in and I like made that like ugly face where it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the it was like, stank face. Yeah. And I was like, dude, what? This is awesome. And it just like it took it to like a new level for me. Gotcha. That's that's the vibe that kind of comes off is like this longing for like simplicity. Right. And just like, I don't Maybe that's why I like 
because I work with kids, I was like, oh, that's 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 a goodie. At least uh, it resonated with me with that. Um, and it that's a beautiful like trust that you guys have within each other to be able to like. All right, I'll give you space. I'm gonna let you do it. I'm gonna let you. It's like the Kanye. I'm gonna let yeah. you finish. But Beyonce, no, like, <laughs> it's, it, and you just yeah. leave. Like, I feel more people had that that type of like uh, um, trust and like stuff with just like their relationships in general. There'd be yeah. a lot more healthier marriages. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's such how a, I feel. It's like we're business married. Yeah, and we're others too. But yeah, like it's it's a tall task to let somebody kind of deconstruct something that, especially that song, the subject matter, um, it's really personal, you know, and it's got like a lot of heart behind it. And, um, yeah, I was just like, let's add some organs and trap bass on it. (laughs) (laughs) But it was cool. It made it clashing black It made it you guys, you know, which is this cool blend of like, it's songwriting and like, uh, like electronic. It's a really cool, like, is that kind of where the name came from? Because this name has been around for a minute. Yeah. It's, we've always gone by that. I mean, yeah. besides we were trying to write when we were starting, we, when we were thinking of names, we never actually went by anything else. But, um, Kane, he, he had a girlfriend in middle school and, this is when he only wore black because he thought he was black. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he uh, This was his metal, his metal ass, uh, all black, everything type vibe. But he uh, was wearing two different shades of it. Yeah. And she goes wearing clashing black, and he goes, "That'd be a cool band name." <laughs> but then we switch. Yeah, but then we switch the C to a K because yeah. our dad said if we did that then it would be the same initials as our names whoa because yeah. both of us are kb yeah, yeah. damn that's i always want to hear when when i tell that story that's great so. I, sh- I didn't i didn't even think about that that's that's a that's a that's really cool because <laughs> yeah so oh. we we sometimes you know once once people start getting to know us they just call us kb yeah so um, that's kind of our nickname for the band too. So, okay. Well, the, when they say KB, are you both like, huh? It <laughs> uh, doesn't really help. I think in our <laughs> minds, KB means the band. Gotcha. So like, well, show, show them your, oh yeah, sure. We made a little logo for uh, it. Okay. It's oh, backwards, okay. But. And like, even if no one, even if no one bought those and you guys just had to rep them, it'd be fitting because of your initials and okay, I get it. Yeah. (laughs) That's fucking awesome. Um, well, another tune I wanted to ask about was it kind of falls in the same uh, realm. If I feel of, um, of a playground was dinner table. Mm -hmm. Cause like that with the structure, right. I thought writing wise, that was really well done. Like you're taking this thing that this inanimate object, inanimate object, fuck i can't talk today um (laughs) but right like the idea of like this dinner table and like throughout the years what it sees and what it welcomes and how it always is the same thing right like an idea that when you eat with someone you're sustaining life with this person you know i mean like as a society we do that a lot we when you go on a date you usually go out to eat and like it's you don't think of it as a deeper thing other than like an easy thing to do and meet someone but you're you're sustaining your existence through fueling yourselves and like it's it's this weird like thing i think that goes back to like 
cave times, I don't know, but like this biological thing we don't really examine, but we are sustaining our existence and it becomes this thing and it's a social thing. Like we do this with family. We do this like every Christmas there's a dinner, every Thanksgiving. That's a better one. I don't know why I didn't say that first. Um, You know what I mean? (laughs) But like there's this, this, like the idea of like what's supporting that, you know what I mean? And what that would see and what that brings in through like one person's lifetime or even a a segment of, I thought was a really cool perspective to take and like just pure, like how it moves from a kid to uh, bringing, uh, bringing the first girl home. You know what I mean? I thought that was a fucking rad song no i don't know if you want to dive into that <laughs> sure That'd yeah be rad. i i think that there are places like so like if you look at i'm trying to think of songs from out like playground you know dinner table there are these um there are these like locations that that become really important and you kind of take them for granted yeah. um and then you become an adult and like the dinner table always seems like a place where you can openly talk about what's bugging you or what kind of day you have. And it doesn't feel as right to talk about that stuff. If you're not there, like if you're just sitting on the couch, it almost feels awkward. Mm. But if you're sitting and you're having a meal or you're drinking a cup of coffee or whatever, for some reason, there's this thing where, at least for me, where I feel, Oh, I can talk about anything now. Cause I'm like in this space. Um, So I feel like, yeah, I think we just, um, we, on that album, we tried to give meaning to things that, that seem, they seem like basic, you know, just everyday things that you encounter. But when you really look back on it, you realize like, oh, that was special that, you know, not all families get to have dinner with their parents, you know, and just sit there and talk about that. Not everyone has that relationship and we have really awesome parents that, are, you know, are supportive of what we do right now too, which is rare, you know, your kid is like, uh, like I, you know, instead of going for four years for my degree, I went for two and was like, yeah, I'm not going to get a teaching degree because I don't want to do that forever. I like doing that on the side. Um, nobody questioned it. You know, it was like a, you know what you do your thing. Yeah. I never felt like, um, either of our parents going, yeah, well, you shouldn't do that. They were yeah. always just like, "Heck yeah," you know. That's huge. So, yeah, yeah. That makes it's it's kind of it's it kind of fills into that um the album's who we are and like it's all these things that make up who you are like it's all like on a conceptual level maybe intended or unintended or for like post examined. It almost seemed like there was like a narrative through it, um, but uh, it also like when you're bringing up like the idea of just these places, those are things that make up who you are, you know, for everybody. And they're it's it's really done in a way that's cool because it's not like it's relatable. And I think you were kind of touching upon lyrics like it, how a Kane, if it doesn't relate to you, Kyle will change like one thing to make it relate to him. So it's like this collective thing that you guys can both relate to. And like, mm-hmm. as a, I know I'm kind of harping on that release, but that's the out, you know what I mean? That's the, the big yeah. release you guys got out, but like, yeah, that's, that's really cool to hear. Cause it makes sense of, Oh, okay. Who we are. I get it. You know what I mean? Like that's part of it. Um, yeah. And we're like, we're all about like conceptual stuff too. Yeah. Like my, I love when albums kind of tell a singular story, um, it doesn't have to all be exactly about the same thing, but the collective idea 
um, connects all these songs together. Yeah. And that's what we tried to do with that one. And, yeah. um, dinner table is a song that like when he first played it for me, I, by the end I was like crying. Like, I was, I was like, how can I, you not? I said, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I did that for, but one of his songs on the album is cut and run. Yeah. That's a good one too. And, he played that one for me and I cried listening to it. We both played each other. So we were like, okay, this will, these are some decent songs. Right. Um, if it like has an emotional reaction to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, and I feel like our, especially now it's getting even more like this, but our songs bounce all over the place, like genre wise. Yeah. And I mean, it seems kind of how Spotify playlists work now. Like, you know, I teach kids and stuff, guitar mm-hmm. and it's like, you ask them what kind of music they like, and they look at you like you're an alien. Like, what do you mean, what kind of music? I like music, you know? Yeah, which more, is kind of cool. Yes, yeah. it's super cool. And, you know, like we said, we were listening to Master of Puppets the other day, but then the other day I also was like, dude, you li- need to listen to Ariana Grande's album, and I played him songs from that. So it's like we can enjoy, like, pretty much anything. Yeah. There are, like, a couple – we have a couple blind spots, I'm sure, like anybody. But, sure. um Everyone has but, preferences, you know. <laughs> yeah, but um, I think that when you have songs that bounce all over the place, for it to not feel like a a mixtape, almost you mm-hmm. have to have some sort of consistent theme yeah. throughout. Yeah, yeah, together. It's got to be you to some degree, you know. If it and, and tonally, if it isn't you, it, it, it like it's either going to be you in some other aspect of it. Like if you're a DJ making a record, you're going to have like a, a thing that is a weird choice that would that DJ always makes or whatever, or a narrative like you're saying. And it's interesting because like Spotify has shifted how people consume music. Right. Like the idea that we listen to music, that songs are only like two to three minutes. Right. Well, where'd that come from? Probably the size of the vinyl. You know what I mean? Like yeah. technology has a big, uh, a big effect on what we listen to and how we listen to it. And Spotify mm-hmm. being more single based and like kind of hitting it a vibe of a person, so you can hear constantly new stuff to like the type of thing you like. Like if you're yeah. a reggae guy and you just listen to reggae, you're gonna have endless Spotify stuff. And like, it's it's interesting that that that's kind of the thing. And as a group like you guys, or even with like my stuff like with sea level we we genre hop a lot of shit and like at first it seems really hard to how do you push your record because like everything's so single based and so what genre are you what can we put you in but what's cool is when you're diverse like that you can kind of throw your shit in everything you know what i mean yeah like at least that's the strategy i've been trying to cope with like i'll just put one thong here one thong here hopefully everyone comes and is continuously disappointed by the rest of our stuff but that's all right (laughs) it balances out right right i mean i like i call us a different genre depending on who i'm talking to so like if we're trying to get on a like indie playlist i'll be like we're an indie band but if it's a pop playlist i'll be like we're a pop band because we have different songs that like yeah we could put on any of those that would actually work, you know? So I think that I don't know what's going to happen, but I wonder if eventually genres are going to become less important. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought about making a playlist just called like what we like, because I'm like, I don't, instead of limiting it, limiting it to like one type of thing, it's like, who, who listens to, 
one type of music anymore. I feel like people did used to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd agree with that. Like, sorry, not to cut you off. Okay. But, like, I would agree with that in the sense of, like, because, like, uh, do you guys look at the Spotify year thing where it shows you, like, yeah. in 2020, you've discovered 558 new genres. And you're like, what the right. fuck do you mean I discovered 558 new genres? There's yeah. not even that many options in your genre thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, like, um, it's like for a kid now to have like a phone, you and have an accent to even a free Spotify account, you're you're exposed to not only like one CD of Metallica, but one career of metal. It's of thrash metal. You know what I mean? Like, and it's cool because of that because it it's, you're always expanding and learning more. But it's also kind of lame because you don't have that. The just position of it would be like you don't have that connection with it. Like, oh, my friend Scott gave me this CD of Metallica. That's why yeah. I treasure it so much because he gave it to me uh, in in the treehouse that that had a bunch of crosses and and, and puppets on it. Like, you know, what I mean, like whatever. <laughs> like, there's like the the intimate connection is kind of severed, but the expansion of I don't know. I don't know if it's good or bad. I've just been thinking right. about it a lot. <laughs> Yeah, that's an interesting balance too, you know, because you, some people might find a song special, but mm -hmm. it's just a much different way than it used to be yeah. even five years ago. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just crazy how quick it's moving too. And it's cool. It's, I don't know. It's cool. And it's just a lot that it's always, you're always learning shit and trying to keep, keep up with it. And like, mm -hmm. and when you define yourself with it, it it's something that, the fact that you can always keep learning, it always keeps this like uh, spark to happen, right? And, like, and you guys have a a song called "Emptiness," which is a, I thought for a musician a really cool concept. Like, I don't know, I think that that endless spark will kind of always per keep the emptiness from being there. I don't know, like if you want to elaborate on that one too, that'd be sweet because that's a cool tune. Sure. Uh, so. Yeah, I think it's kind of goes back to. Am what I we're, hitting all your songs, Kane? <laughs> uh, I don't know. What yeah, other ones? Uh, yeah, but it's cool. <laughs> My <laughs> bad. <I'm not laughs> uh, he writes a he writes a big amount of them. So well, and it's weird too because, um, like for that song, I had kind of the main concept right, but yeah. then we went to the bridge, and you kind of did a lot of the bridge. And so it kind of goes back and forth, but it, yeah, it, it started as my demo of it or whatever. Um, actually one funny, this is kind of a sidetrack thing, but one funny thing that he always does, my demo vocals are always pretty much horrible <laughs> and I'll hit like really wrong notes, but I'm just trying to like nail it, like just get the take down or whatever. Yeah. Um, but he will never forget the notes that sounded bad. And so when, when he sings the note on stage, but sings it well, he looks at me and like laughs. Like, remember when you sang that note? <laughs> I will never forget. Yeah. It's a constant like inside joke. And when we're, when we're practicing, when we're like rehearsing the live show, I sing it wrong when he sang it wrong. Yeah. I just, I don't know. That's one of those things. Yeah, brotherly, like. It's like, know. I can't remember what I ate for lunch yesterday, but I'll never forget that one wrong note that you sang on your demo. <laughs> yeah. That's how our whole like friend group is too. It's like, you know, you have those friends where you'll never live a dumb thing you said down. Yeah. You say it one time and then it just becomes who you are for yeah. the rest of your 
<laughs> for the record. Awesome. Yeah, but anyway, that, so that, <laughs> song, uh, that song is about kind of what you were saying earlier, where you have like these anxieties about stuff and you're like, I got to do this and this and this. It's almost like you want to distract yourself. And I yeah. was just, I was thinking about that and how, um, man, a lot of musicians, it seems like anyone who does something kind of art related mm-hmm. has this, uh, like baggage that comes with them, like some unresolved something. Don't know what it is always, but um, sometimes music is a, a way to cover that up almost or or to yeah. like make peace with it, you know? Yeah. Um, where, you know, like there have been times that I'll like, I played a song for my mom or something and then she'll be like, are you okay? You know? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Like I'm actually a happy person, but this is just how I get it out of my system, you know, Yeah. as to kind of like holding it all in. So it was just kind of about that. And, um, drum wise, we were, we were both really listening to, um, John Bellion at that time. Mm. And he's got like a lot of like swingy drums and, uh, we were like, how can we make this the drums in this song like less straight than what you hear on like a like a trap beat or whatever? We wanted to make it a little bit different. Um, so that's kind of where the drums came from. And then from there, it was just, uh, you know, the whole like da 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 happens in the song. Yeah. That's much the chorus. Um, I thought that there were going to have to be words there. But then it was like, well, no, yeah. it's fine. Like, let's just keep it that because people can sing that really. People don't have to remember those words. So it was just kind of we wanted to have a really catchy chorus with that one. And that, well, that that bit is super catchy. And it kind of like it kind of puts the whole idea of like anyone could write the music. I mean, that is the music, right? It's just the mm-hmm. catchy thing. That, it's the f- fulfillment in that and like making this thing and seeing it completed. And like I, and it's weird on a narrative structure, like the lack of something there almost fulfills it more. I don't know. Like you guys are really good. <laughs> so I'm trying to say like well written, well written. Um, so with this next coming batch of tunes, is there a strong narrative through? Um, yes, this is probably the most conceptual. Yeah. That we've done. It's, uh, also a little more charged, uh, in message. Okay. Uh, it's, I feel like it's timely and it's, uh, it's just very, I think in the past we've avoided like talking about specific issues, whether they're like, I mean, I mean the ones, it's not like a political song really, but we kind of have avoided certain things in the past because we're like, well, some people that like follow us might not agree with that perspective, but then at some point we just thought like, let's just tell the truth. Yeah. Like what we think, you know, it doesn't mean, you know, not everyone that follows what we do has to agree with us. Like there can be disagreements, you know, sure. like in your fans or whatever. And the song in particular, I'm thinking of that, uh, we haven't put out yet, but Kyle wrote, um, it's got like this very specific message. And when I first heard it, I hadn't really heard him write anything like that before. And, he we thought the ep we had all the songs for it and then he played me this one and i'm pretty sure we tossed out one of mine after because i was like dude okay you're (laughs) 
I like when that happens, like his song kicked my song's ass, you know, and then we kind of swap it out and you kind of like try to one up each other or whatever. So, um, yeah, it definitely has like a story throughout, you know, and it's yeah, okay. it feels like it's about um, that musician mentality of like, oh, it's us against them kind of mm-hmm. thing. I don't know where that I feel like musicians are just like angsty people. Like we just we almost say that it's us against them, but it's not always even true. No, hardly ever. Heads, you know? Yeah. It was about, it was, it's basically unpacking that if you were to put it on like. It's kind of like, uh, um, the creative side of someone versus the corporate side of someone. Mm. So like it's the, the desire to be creative and, Mm. uh, make this art versus, um, the pressure to get in line and uh, put on a suit and do a nine to five, you know, yeah. it's, it's kind of like those things um, coming to a head. So. Gotcha. Yeah. And no. like he, Oh, sorry. Oh, he, no. uh, That's cool. he made like an interesting point one time about one of the songs. Uh, I, I kind of wrote it as like me against somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of like a conversation type thing. Yeah. But, then he was like, well, it almost feels like um, the person against yourself because it seems like uh, whatever you dislike in other people, like mm-hmm. qualities that you're like, I don't want to have. It's because deep down you kind of see them in yourself a little bit and you don't you don't want them to be you don't want that to be true. You yeah. know, so no matter who you have conflict with, like there is some piece of them that you probably have deep down in yourself. And that's kind of the whole thing is just exploring that idea of um, instead of me being against other people, I'm actually against my own like faults and insecurities Mm. and stuff and trying to like figure that out, like unpack that. And that's that. I mean, that's, that's therapy. (laughs) That's like psychodynamic. Some, that's some heavy shit. And like, it's weird. You always like, ask for advice you want to receive or you give advice you want to receive to some in some weird way you know what i mean like when you're like someone's like oh i'm just i don't know how to handle this relationship and you give them the the advice you wish someone would give you you know what i mean yeah. like but it, it that is a crazy like um just position and like trying to that's i don't know that sounds sick i can't wait to hear it um was it in it really for it yeah we we've been work this is the longest we've worked on any music um, yeah and the pandemic probably had part to play in it. But, sure. Um, yeah, we're we're kind of getting to the home stretch. Um, we're gonna shoot a video at the end of this month for the first single. First singles mixed, and uh, we just got to master it, and uh, then we'll be on our way. Do you do all the mastering yourself? We. Um, this is the first time we've taken it into a studio. Mm. Uh, before we've done it all ourselves, yeah. but this time we really, we really believe in like these songs and these ideas. And, um, there's like a ton going on in these songs too. Mm. Like you, I can't really peg a genre for it, which kind of circles back to what we've been talking about. Like I can't peg what genre it is because especially this first single, it's just like a lot of different things going on. So we, um, we went to Ohio recording company in Fremont, um, and he helped us mix it and then okay. have him master it for us too. Nice. I think, yeah. um, 
Apostle Jones did their EP there. Oh, okay. I think that's what I think that's what Mikey told me because I that that name's new to me and it keeps every time someone says it, I'm like, oh yeah, that place is yeah. a place too. Like it's Cleveland, really cool. It's yeah, really, cool. yeah, sick. Dude, Mikey has to be one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, one of the nicest dudes. So he's so great. Yeah, and super talented too, and like one of the most entertaining shows you'll see. I did oh a. My God. And he's got a pretty interesting story. He's from Chicago, uh, or he's from here and did a lot of like theater work in Chicago. I did a, mm-hmm. a podcast with him when their EP dropped. Um, but and like, I, what was I gonna say about Mikey? Oh man, fuck! I totally brain farted. It's gonna come back. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, Mikey's the shit. Uh, you guys, oh, you guys, because you guys have played a few times with Apostle Jones, right? Uh, I think we just only played with them once. Okay, but Dakota. Then- then we played at the Winchester, and Mikey came to like see us and stuff. Oh, that's so, what I was gonna say. I remember yeah, that. We, we basically have, um, yeah, like this like little friendship going. Yeah, those guys. So he's so supportive of everybody too. Like when he came back, he saw I played in a band called Hamilton Handshake for a while. I was playing bass, and they're it's like the other teachers I work with. It was like the teachers band, you know what I mean? And like they were like Rolling Stones rock, and like. Um, Mikey really liked it because they were, it was a cool band. They were really good. And, um, I saw him at some Mike night and he was wearing the Hamilton handshake shirt. I'm like, Oh, cool shirt, man. Their bass player sucks. And he's like, well, what's wrong <laughs> with it? Um, and he didn't put two and two together at first. That it was me just doing a shitty joke. And like, I don't know. That's how we started to become friends. <laughs> he's at least so he cool. didn't go like, Oh yeah, he for sure does. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would have really sucked. He's like, yeah, for real. I'm like, Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> was I also saw you guys you guys played with my buddy Greg in Ann Arbor. Greg Hughes? Yeah, Greg Hughes from a uh, uh, um After Hours Radio. Yes. Oh, was dude. that that house show? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would have been the house it's, show. That was one of the most infamous shows we ever played. What? Okay. Crack it open. Oh, <laughs> that dude. sounds awesome. <laughs> it was crazy. I've yeah? never played a show like it. So, it was a house show. It was what was it? Release of some animal like, video or something, right? Something about Earth. Okay? Yeah, it was like Earth, plan, Planet Earth 2, and they were going to project yeah, it. Yeah, that was it. So I didn't know what to expect. So we roll <laughs> up at this house across the street from University of Michigan, the stadium. Mm-hmm. Like, literally right across the street. Um, got to park in the driveway so we could unload the gear, but then I had to find a different spot. Our bass player could not find a parking spot to save his life. So we were trying to set our stuff up in this tiny living room. Everybody's dressed up as animals. Like this guy's dressed up in a onesie pajama outfit. And everybody's tweaking on things, okay? Everyone's feeling themselves. Uh, And we start playing and we couldn't – their mixer wasn't able to do our backing track. Yeah. But we had enough people to where we could kind of wing it. Yeah, yeah. And – we played and it was the tightest room we've ever played in, but the energy in there was just like unlike anything I've ever like. Yeah. You could just feel it, like yeah. pulling. And then down in the basement, some dude was doing like a DJ set, but it was pitch black down there. I didn't go down there, and it was freezing cold outside. Yeah. But then when we were done. We had to get all the gear out, and by then, shoulder to shoulder, like you had there to, like was, run damn. into. People. 
Yeah, we were like battering people with our bass drum just to like get make room to get out of there. And that night, um, on our way home, when it hit midnight, Kane and I turned twenty one. Oh no shit! Yeah. Oh so, really? Yes, because oh, I man. had the day before our actual birthday, I went and got my new license because yeah, tech, got the tilt. Yeah, midnight. It, it wouldn't have been valid. Mm. So um, my license that I have to this day, the picture on it is from that day. That's awesome. Because I had to get it, yeah. So I remember just... I was playing drums for that show. and Because for a while I was our drummer when um, before we started doing the two-piece. So yeah. kind of you did drums, you did marching band, right? Yes. Okay. Yep. I was, and then I was like a drum instructor after that for a couple oh, no of shit. years. Okay. So like big marching band. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I was playing drum set for the show, but I forgot a freaking rug, like an uh, idiot. Yeah. And so then and it's a house it's, show. Oh, shit. It's a wood floor, and like this sticky wood floor, and it's like sliding. So I had this big like cardigan on, <laughs> and I took it off, and I put it under the bass drum. So yeah. then it was like all gross and stuff. But I just oh. remember like having to pull the kick drum back like the whole the whole set. <laughs> that sucks. Was yes. it was it the Luther House or was it Luther House? Was that Luther House or what's the other venue they have? Um, it, it was like a Yakamura Co-op. Okay, all right. Then I, like yeah, yeah. Remember that? I have no idea how I remember it. <laughs> it's <laughs> how do you forget? <laughs> right, I cannot forget that night. I will never forget that night. It was our, just so crazy. Our dad and stepmom were there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they went. Yes, and so like, are they're both standing there, and these like, all these kids who were like, in these animal onesies, and they're just standing there like, why did we come here? And uh, it was <laughs> wild. Yeah, it was hilarious. And then I remember one guy. This is a weird story, but I just remember this guy. Um, he was drinking uh, Jack and Coke, but not in the same glass. He had a can of Coca-Cola and a thing of Jack Daniels. <laughs> would, and he would just drink one and then the other. So he would just go like back and forth with it. And I remember dressed, he just tried to... No, what was he dressed up as? A zebra? He was, he was the DJ for in between bands and he would just plug in his iPod. Yeah, but he had an outfit on. <laughs> oh, maybe. He had like a pink onesie. I can't, it, was, it might've been a pig. I don't know why you wear a pig onesie, but anyway, yeah. But yeah. He, yeah, he was like, um, he befriended me for some reason. He started hitting my drums and I'd never met yeah. him. And I was yeah. all, already, I was like, what are you doing, dude? Like <laughs> these cost money. And he goes, yeah, man, I don't play drums, but like I can drum because it's like in my culture or whatever. Like he was just going on and I'm just like, what are you talking about? And then he goes to the bathroom and he hands me his uh, his Jack and Coke and he goes, listen, man, I need you to hold these for me. You can drink as much as you want, but don't let anyone else have any. And I was like, I didn't even know his name. And I was like, OK, you got it. It was just so strange. Oh, man, that's awesome. Greg is one of the nicest guys in the world. I love Greg so much, and he does so much on a serious note, even though that's the most bonkers version of a show to walk into. Uh, but he does so much for the DIY like scene. Like He was trying to develop um, a connection from Chicago to Cleveland 
and I think all the way to PA, like he was trying to work like a, a route, like a, oh. a chitlin circuit, so to say, of of DIY places they can play. And like, because mm-hmm. C-Level would play there a lot, I would play there a lot at in random places in Ypsilanti or Ann Arbor or whatever. And he, like, we played in Detroit, and he drove out just to hang out with us in Detroit and brought, like, five people with him. And, you know what I mean? Like, Greg's a, the real deal. And, like, his band he's playing with, I don't think they're, After Hours is no more. So I think he's kind of coasting between stuff. But, like, I saw you guys play there. I'm like, that's sick. Because he's, he's yeah. the homie for sure. And, like. Yeah, we, we played with him a couple of times. I don't know Howard. if it was two. Okay, it was in yeah. Howard's. Okay. Well. I think we've been at it for a minute, friends. I think we can, we should, you guys feel good? You feel good about this? I feel like we covered a lot of shit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Sick. Well, thank you guys for hanging out with me. This has been badass. Thank you, man. It was good to virtually meet you. Yeah, likewise.